0: Welcome to episode 222 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Megan Kreisenbeck. Did I do it right, Megan? Did I get it? Yep, you got it. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> Megan lives in Boise, Idaho, and she works for the state police in the Commercial Vehicle Safety Unit. Welcome, Megan.
1: Thank you for having me, Jen.
0: I'm so glad to talk to you, and it's my favorite thing to do. I love to, love to record these episodes. So you know I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that?
1: so I kind of have a, a strange start, and I think everybody kind of has a different way yeah. to come about it. So I actually started in January of twenty twenty, which is kind of was kind of a terrible year to start a diet. we or, didn't
0: know it in January yet, did we?
1: we were We had ignorant bliss in January, but every year, so since I work for the state police, our colonel does what's called the colonel's challenge, and there's four points to the colonel's challenge that. He wants us to try – or four goals that he wants us to try to hit every year. And one's uh, weight loss, cardio, there's strength training, and sit-ups and push-ups is the last okay. one. And uh, back in 2020, I was about 220 pounds, and I knew the, the weight loss challenge wouldn't be a problem for me. Like, it was 5% of your body weight, and I'm like, oh, I can totally make that goal. And we don't have to hit all of the goals, but he would always likes us to focus on at least one And so I was like, well, I'll do the weight loss one. And I just bought a Peloton bike too. So I was like, and I'm going to do the cardio this year too. And I'm going to beat everybody on the bike miles. So I... Started the challenge and was talking to one of my coworkers. And she was like, What are you doing for the weight loss challenge? Because, you know, it's like, What fad diet am I going to
0: choose this time? Right, and it was January. And that's yeah. the time when you're like shopping for them, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so she's like, I've always had success with intermittent fasting. I always can drop weight pretty quickly with intermittent fasting. And I'm like, That sounds terrible. Like, who would want <laughs> to do that? And she's like, I don't know. It's just something that's always worked for me. So, I had that in the back of my mind, but I was like, I'm going to go see a dietitian this year. So part of our health plan for our le- or health insurance is that we get to have three visits to a dietitian every year, too. So I was like, I'm going to just go talk to a dietitian and find mm-hmm. out what they think. And so I went and talked to her, and she was like, Have you ever thought about doing just like a 12 hour fast to give your body a break every day? And I was like, There is I love that, that there's that fasting word again. So I was like, I'm going to have to do a little bit of research, and I did. Just a little bit of internet research and kind of chose a sixteen eight window. And that's where I started. I knew nothing about you. I knew nothing about the clean fast. And so I was kind of doing everything wrong. Like I was drinking LaCroix that were flavored yeah. and and all of that stuff. Fast forward to March when the pandemic hit, I met my goal with I'd lost about five percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd lost about fifteen pounds in that three-month period. So the goal, the colonel's challenge runs from January to the middle of March every year. Okay.
0: Oh, that helped me understand it a little bit because I'm like, now if you lose 5% of your body weight every year, then eventually what? <laughs> you You're <disappeared>. like negative. <laughs> <laughs> pretty like your employee out and i don't know what. anyway
1: yeah but, um, my goal is to not be able to participate in that part
0: of the challenge there at you some go. point <laughs> I get it. so so okay by march you met your goal 15 pounds down
1: yep I'd met my goal and it just so happened like the end of the colonel's challenge was like a week before the pandemic really hit idaho and they did a complete shutdown here mm-hmm. and when that happened i kind of i mean i loosened everything up a little bit, but I, I stayed working at work. Like we got an opportunity to split the office up. And so some of us got to go in and some of us stayed home and I chose to go to work. So I kept going to work to try to keep my schedule as regimen as possible. Mm -hmm. And I did all right. And then my mother-in-law was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer and she passed at the end of April. And then everything kind of, I was emotionally eating again and I just completely, fell off of any kind of plan whatsoever.
0: And it sounds like that was pretty fast for your mother-in-law. It was like,
1: she was, she was diagnosed actually at the end of 19. Okay. But so we knew, but then when the pandemic hit, like we didn't have any Mm. access to see her or yeah, it Um. was, it was rough. Yeah. So emotional eating ensued Mm -hmm. and then it kind of just snowballed. And then I stopped fasting completely until about September of 2020, actually.
0: It was a crazy time. And so many of us, I mean, you know, I'd been doing fasting for so long by that point, it was second nature, but I struggled through the the parts of the pandemic as well, just because of the stress. We didn't know we couldn't go anywhere or or we could, but we didn't know if we were allowed to. I mean, like, I was like, I don't know if I can go to our beach condo. I don't know if I'm allowed to. So we just sat around the house and filled that void with baking or cocktails. And so it it was really, really a struggle. So you you stopped fasting and Mm -hmm. then September rolled around. What happened then?
1: So I had actually seen, my sister lives on the other side of the state and I'd gone to an event just before I started clean fasting. It was in August and I had seen her at this event and she just like, looked amazing. And I was like, what are you doing? And and she said, well, I'm just kind of living in a one meal a day lifestyle. I only eat with the kids in the evening and the rest of the day I don't eat. And I was like, that sounds senselessly dangerous. Like, which, and I already knew about fasting, but like the one meal a day was just like, we have to eat more than just one meal a day. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so I looked up the OMAD diet (laughs) when I got home and, did a bunch of research on that too. And so I started doing that and I was actually drinking bone broth probably mm-hmm. midpoint of the day every day. So I was doing one meal a day, but like really breaking my fast at noon, not really realizing
0: that. And were you starving after the broth? I was. Like it I was, can't even imagine. Like that is so much harder. People are like, I just drink my broth. I'm like, it is so much harder to drink yes. the broth than just to fast clean.
1: Right. And so I was coming home at lunch every day, drinking my bone broth, going back right. to work and struggling the rest of yeah. A yeah. Day, yeah, and I thought there. I need more inspiration than what I've got right now. Like, I need to find a podcast because I listen to podcasts all the time at work. Like, I do a lot of data gathering and that type of stuff, so I have time where I can just listen to a podcast. And I was like, I need more motivation. There's got to be a podcast out there right. that has inspirational stories of people that have succeeded at this because I, I am it. determined. And so <laughs> I typed in intermittent fasting stories. I literally typed out intermittent fasting stories. And of course, your, this podcast came up, and I was like sold. And so I started. Listening so for anybody
0: who's thinking about starting a podcast, there are like well, I don't know millions of podcasts now. But the secret, honestly, of getting this one out there was that simple name. I yeah. am convinced. And then yeah, of course, and- people aren't going to come back if it's no good. So the the real secret is amazing guests like you that tell a great story, and people love to listen. But if I had named it something crazy, <laughs> yeah. I would have never found you. So right? I'm very excited that you
1: named it Super Simple because I found it. And I actually always sort when I find an awesome podcast. So I think I listened to the very first one. I don't remember which one that was. Kim Smith is number one. Well, so I ended up, she was the second one I listened to okay. because I listened to the most recent one and okay. and kind of gauged it was something I really wanted to dive into. And then I was like, this is amazing. And then I sorted by date and started listening from the very beginning. And then I just started binge listening to them. (laughs) And I, through all of this, like, I think every single one of your guests talks about clean fasting. Right. And so then I'm like, started to search what clean fasting was. And then I found your Facebook group got on there. learned a little more about clean fasting and I'm like, I just need to buy this book. So at that time, since I started in 2000, like the the podcast that were in 2018, I had no idea that Fast Feast Repeat was even a book yet.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) because it wasn't at that point. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: and so I bought Delay Don't Deny first Mm -hmm. and I soaked that up. I think I read it in a day and a half and and I'm happy I started with that one because I read it so quickly that right. I understood how to do the clean fast from the very beginning. And I like got gum out of my life and all of the other little flavored beverages that I didn't, I mean, they were zero calories, so I didn't right. think anything of it, but got those out and I was like, oh my gosh, like it changed everything. I love it.
0: You know, I'm not surprised, but it, it, I love to hear it. And you know, if I just say it, people are like, yeah, 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 whatever. But to hear it from so many of you, yeah, it's yeah. powerful.
1: Yeah it was, it, it made all the difference in the world. Mm. And about two weeks after I started clean fasting, my mom jumped on board with it as well. And she was like, I tried doing that fasting and it was just difficult. And I'm like, well, what are you putting in your coffee, mom? Right. <laughs> she said, well, I just put a little coconut oil in your just coffee. A and I'm little. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, just stop it. Just stop putting the <laughs> coconut oil in it. And then she met me for my daughter's birthday. We went shopping for her birthday. And that day we got about halfway through the day. And she's like, Megan, I just had black coffee this morning and I am not even hungry. I'm doing just fantastic. And so she jumped straight into a 20 hour
0: fast. And the coconut oil is one of those things that people really think it helps them like more than anything else. They're like, it gives me such good energy. It helps me so much, but it really, really does also make you hungrier. You may think it's controlling your appetite till you've tried it without it.
1: Yeah. And it is night and day difference
0: on, on how you feel.
1: And then you go through the whole getting used to the fasting part and the extra energy and not, it's almost like an anxious energy. That's mm-hmm. all I remember be. at first is right. I just felt like I'd have to get up out of my seat and like do laps around the hallway. at
0: work. <laughs> Your body's like, what are all these ketones? I don't know what to do with them.
1: Yeah. It was like, this person <laughs> feeds me all day long. Usually. Right. <laughs> Never knew what to do with all those ketones. So, cause I was a, like, I had a, drawer of food at work. Mm-hmm. A oh, yeah.
0: I had a cabinet in the back of my classroom. I know you've probably heard me talk about this, but in the back of my classroom where I kept my secret coffee maker and my secret coffee, whatever I was having at the time, I also had my secret snacks. Yeah. Now, I'd go back there. It was like 100 calorie packs of things. Right. All that did was make my stomach angry. I
1: know. <laughs> I can't even. I don't. Yeah.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I would buy those like Lance crackers. Do you all have Lance crackers or is that just a Southern thing? I think
1: that's just a Southern thing. I, I yeah. suddenly
0: had a feeling it might be just a Southern thing there are these little packs of crackers there's like six crackers in there they're like sandwich crackers uh-huh. and they might be like peanut butter and oh, between those. cheese yeah, crackers have those. yeah okay yeah. they might be a different brand or maybe they are lance but yeah. I don't know but I would have those and those were just enough to make you really really extra hungry right or a granola <laughs> bar like oh yeah yeah see I had my salty my salty snack cheesy snack yeah so that was yeah. me I didn't want the sweet stuff.
1: Yeah. I'm more of a salty girl myself. Yeah. Yeah. But it
0: it certainly didn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For real.
1: There was a point during my fasting when I had this sudden realization that snacking all day, I was feeding myself like a toddler and I had stopped growing forever ago. And I thought, why? why? Why are we all feeding ourselves like we're toddlers when we are not growing anymore? That is so
0: true. Somebody <laughs> was just talking about that recently in the community. They had gone to a new trainer, and the trainer was like, You must eat every two hours. You wouldn't. Oh, oh. And the, the trainer said something like, You wouldn't, or maybe this is someone on Instagram, but they said, You wouldn't make a baby go till one o'clock without eating, would you? And I'm like, Okay. Now that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh, I know where it was. It was an intermittent fasting podcast question. I'm like, a baby is growing. Yeah. We're not a baby. A tremendous rate. <laughs> like, yeah, then, the fastest rate ever. You never grow that fast in your life.
1: Right. And then teenagers, teenagers may not be growing anymore, but their brains are doing the most amount of well, development. They are. They I mean, are. I remember
0: yeah. when they were like, When my boys were going through their growing phases, they could not get enough to eat, and they were eating all the time, like around the clock, like they were babies again.
1: Yeah, because yeah. just that final growth spurt. It's like toddlerhood all over again. But exactly, but it's we don't need adult it as adults.
0: Size. Yeah. We are not trying to grow because we're not growing taller anymore. We just grow horizontally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you eat like a toddler, you will grow like a toddler. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you're- <laughs> and I was even eating the foods, the toddler foods. My hot milkshake was like their sippy cup that they mm-hmm. have all the time. And the snacks were just like the snacks we used to feed our kids.
1: yeah. And I think we get into that cycle because, I mean, as mothers, I mean, not everybody maybe, but I know as a mother, I totally got into the habit of eating those foods just because oh, yeah. they were always in my purse. Like they were always Goldfish handy. crackers. Yes.
0: Goldfish crackers. No wonder the child was having a tantrum because uh, you give them some goldfish crackers and then they're like, <laughs> now I'm really hungry. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> I've thought about that so much through this process too, about some of the stuff I fed my kids mm-hmm. when they were small and thinking, well... <laughs> No wonder they were having meltdowns every once yeah. in a while. I wasn't feeding them properly. <laughs> well, we,
0: we we're we just looking around and seeing what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And if every single person you know is giving their child a sippy cup full of apple juice constantly, that's mm-hmm. all the time with them, then you feel like you're supposed to do that. Yeah. Or if they have, you know, bags of goldfish crackers in their purse, you need to have that in your purse too. You don't even know why, but just everyone is doing it. Yeah. So it must be right. Yeah.
1: And exactly. yet, it's not.
0: Yeah, our culture's not there. Yeah, You <laughs> know we're getting there. We're slowly but surely, I think we're getting there. You know, I as more so, and more yeah. adults learn about intermittent fasting, not that we're going to put our kids on intermittent fasting, please don't. But we learn that so much of what we've been taught is wrong, and then we start looking. Well, if this is wrong, what else is wrong?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is like a whole rabbit hole you dive down into with fasting. It's been a very interesting two year process for me. Yeah. So when you when
0: you got back into it, and you were doing the clean fast, it was, it was September of 2020, September of 2020. So how did how did the weight loss go at that point?
1: Pretty good. I noticed once I started clean fasting, it wasn't and I didn't take a lot of I didn't weigh myself a lot right at the Mm -hmm. very beginning either. I did have measurements from before. But Mostly, I kind of felt how my clothes fit. And I just yeah. remember, like, everyone came back to work eventually and were well, they were astonished at how much different wow. I looked. But I would say from September till the January 1st was my biggest amount of body recomposition. mm mm-hmm. And I'm not 100% sure about how much weight I lost. It was probably close to 35 pounds between September and January. But the body recomposition was amazing in that time frame. I just, my whole body changed very rapidly. about May of 21 is when I kind of hit my, where I'm at right now. And I'm down to 160 at this wow. point. So I've lost 60 pounds. Um, and then I hit kind of a weight loss doll, but, mm-hmm. and how tall are you? Five, four. Okay. So I'm not real tall either. And I hit a weight loss when I hit that weight loss doll was about the same exact time I started putting more fitness into my life too. Okay. So I did a body scan at about that point too and uh, learned my body fat percentage. And it was like 36% in May of, of 21. And then just recently, it was in March of this year, I went back in and did a, another body scan and I had lost four or five pounds of fat and gained four pounds of muscle. Awesome! And so my body weight really was about exactly the same. As where I was in May of 21, but everything, like it was, I went down a whole pant size. And I mean, that's amazing. You, w-
0: that's what we want to do. We want mm-hmm. to lose the fat and build the muscle because having more muscle mass helps us age better. Yeah. And I'm we're gonna, gonna be stronger and healthier.
1: Exactly. I'm gonna be forty next year and your muscle mass starts depleting yeah. rapidly after forty.
0: So. It does, it does. So you really wanna have that have that that body composition change. That yeah. is really impressive. Yeah. To see that type of that, you know, muscle growth and fat loss. So. Yeah, and
1: that's what my so. I ended up going to a new dietitian in, in between all of this. And she was not super familiar with intermittent fasting. And so I gave her your books to read so that she could be a little bit more helpful for some of the, her clients that were on the intermittent fasting train. But when she got my results back from the one scan to the other, she was like, Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Yeah. It's impressive to see loss with muscle growth. So right. And I think that's why my body composition had changed so much as I was getting that muscle growth with the weight loss. Is there things I could clean up in my diet to get to maybe a goal weight? Probably. Right. But I'm pretty... My body is working for me the way I need it to right now too, so...
0: I think that's really so important. We get something in our heads. Like when I was going through all that craziness with wanting before I threw my scale away and wanting to see that number of 125 on the scale, just suddenly that number 125 was more important than the size of my body. I just wanted to see the number on the scale. And I never saw that number on the scale. And I could have if I had like said, okay, I'm just going to diet my way down there. I could have seen it. But that was ridiculous because I was already in my goal body. Exactly. And I was living the lifestyle that supported the size that I, f- I felt good at that size of my body. And I liked the way I was living. So I really think the whole world needs to reconsider the idea of a goal weight. I agree. 100%. And instead, we need to start calling it, what's your goal lifestyle, where mm-hmm. you feel good in your body? And you're living in a way that you can keep going. Because if I had, you know, forced my body down to 125 or 122 or whatever, I've been that way before. I was 118 at one point when I was, you know, a young adult. I could have forced, I could decide right now and force my body down to it, but I couldn't live a lifestyle that would maintain it.
1: Right. And I think that's the most important thing. Like there's just along the way, all of the non-scale victories that you hit with, just losing body mass is right. amazing. Not to mention all the, the health benefits from it too. But I think most of my non-scale victories have way more to do with the the loss of body mass than mm-hmm. anything else. Cause I was, I mean, I didn't, I'm fortunate. I didn't have any real health concerns going into this lifestyle either. Like I have a father that's diabetic and I didn't want to be diabetic. And so, and I saw myself on that trajectory, yeah, Yeah. same body style and everything. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get a handle on this Mm -hmm. because I don't want to, I don't want to have to worry about that for the rest of my life. I don't want to put my family through that for the rest of their lives. Like that was what was most important to me from the very beginning is to get down to a weight where I wouldn't have to worry about that a metabolic like body that was, that could support, you know, that more than weight even.
0: And I think we can both say, because I hadn't been diagnosed with anything other, I had fibroids, which was, I don't know how that's, I don't know if that's related to high levels of insulin or not. It wouldn't surprise me. But um, I think we can say we hadn't been diagnosed with those things yet. Exactly. Because I know if I had not made a change, you know, I was 210 in 2014, I would be two something a lot bigger than that Mm -hmm. by now.
1: Yeah. like Who
0: knows what it would have turned into. And You know, I'd probably be getting some diagnosis soon if I hadn't already, because that was the, that was, you know, when I read Why We Get Sick by Dr. Benjamin Bickman, have you read that one yet? Have you looked at that one? He talks about insulin resistance and really how it's the root of like so many things, which is why I don't know if he talks about fibroids in there, but it wouldn't surprise me. I can't remember, but we're going down that path. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and we we get there and then we're like, help. But it's just as simple as coming back out and getting that insulin under control. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about your non-scale victories. You mentioned that you've had a bunch of them. Yeah, I think I so
1: I made I started a spreadsheet at one point that tracked love my it. that tracked my <laughs> <laughs> weekly weight and and then I had like all of my measurements in there yeah. and I still have it. I don't track my weekly weight anymore. I it's inconvenient for me to step on the scale right. every day, so I don't. But my second sheet in, I did a list of non-scale victories, and I'm up over two hundred. I'm not even oh, sure now, that. but there's a ton in there. But they're they're as simple as like I. I didn't have to hold on to the wall while putting on my underwear this morning. Yeah, like, I,
0: was, look, I get that. You yeah. can balance yourself while putting on underwear. Yeah, That's a good one. it's
1: huge. Like I yes. didn't have a belly in the way anymore that I had to try to
0: reach or I don't know. It was just amazing. I mean, yeah. For anyone who's never had that feeling, I mean, I had forgotten about that, but it's true. Yes. It yes. was hard to put on your underwear. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I have to like brace myself on the doorway Yes, <laughs> get my
1: underwear on. And one of it is I didn't kill my husband while he was cooking bacon this morning.
0: Good. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I have a lot of mental health victories along the way too. And before intermittent fasting, I would have never classified myself as having an eating disorder. But understanding eating disorders now better, it definitely was disordered eating. I ate for comfort. I never mm-hmm. ate for satiety. Like. I don't think I was ever hungry. I ate so often that I don't think I actually ever was hungry, but I would eat emotionally. And intermittent fasting helped me so tremendously in that way because it gave me these rules that I had to follow. And I'm a rule follower through and through, always have been. (laughs) So it gave me these rules I had to follow. And I stuck to those pretty rigidly. And it forced me to address like anxious situations that I was going through and actually walk all the way through those situations instead of just stuffing them down with food. And so I have had like so many, like I'm just mentally so much healthier than I was two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I, I credit IF to that completely because without those rules that I was making myself follow, I would have never learned how to walk through a stressful situation instead of just beating through that stressful situation.
0: And so let's unpack that just a little bit because yeah. that's really huge. Yeah. You know, we are we are wired to seek comfort in times of stress and food is comforting. And there's nothing wrong with, with that because, you know, we need to comfort ourselves in a way that we need to, however it is, but we don't want to do it all day long every day, but you had gotten into the habit of, Soothing your feelings, like whenever you're not feeling good, you're like, well, I'll just go have you know a snack or a latte or mm-hmm. whatever it was. Yeah, the same way we were soothing our kids. Yeah, they oh, here's have some goldfish, have some you know yeah apple juice, and so we have to learn new coping mechanisms.
1: Absolutely, and that's exactly what it was—is learning new coping mechanisms. Whether that was going for a walk or just mm-hmm. breathing or meditating through it, but to stuff your feelings down with food does nothing but push them to the side, you still have to address them later. You yeah. still have to walk through that stress. Like it doesn't make it go away. Like addressing it and walking through it, it helps you get all the way through that stressful event. And so, I mean, if you're just in limbo all the time, you never, yeah. I definitely credit IF to helping me learn those coping mechanisms and how to not emotionally eat. And now I That's use, huge. yeah, huge, huge
0: biggest non scale victory I've had thus far, and that doesn't mean that you might not ever have some emotional eating going on in your eating window right, or that you'll never have a day where you're like, you know I'm just gonna open early today I just I feel like I need it that's okay too you know we can we can start to, you know to beat ourselves up and think we could never do that again and it's it's part of life is yeah. is sometimes we're gonna have like ice cream. I'm just gonna have some ice cream today and it's gonna soothe my brain and it's okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna eat the whole like a gallon of ice cream, I'm just gonna have a little bit and not beating yourself up for being human.
1: Absolutely. Like and I think that's another another part of this is opening my window early. Like I get a fast every day, no matter if mm-hmm. I fast 16 hours or 24 hours. It's I I'm fasting every day. I don't do alternate day fasting. I've tried it. I've tried it several times and I hate the up day. I can't do it. <laughs> oh,
0: see, I love I love that, that people, you know, you've tried it, but it's the up day. That's the part that's so funny. People are like well, thinking they're going to hate the down day and that it ends up being the up day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, I, I love the down day. It's like I have so yeah. much energy. It's the right. the next day trying to eat that early in the morning or right. I mean, even at 10 o'clock, like starting opening my window mm-hmm. at 10, I'm like worthless the rest of the day. Once uh-huh, I yeah, eating. I get it.
0: Some people love it. So they'll people who are listening if you're like on the fence if you think you're gonna hate it i want you to try it don't just do it one time try it give yourself a few times maybe just do a meal this monday with the up day on tuesday and give yourself a few weeks of trying it and then you'll know Mm -hmm. but because some people just can't believe how much they love the rhythm of the down day and the up day and they love the up day But then there are people like you and like me, Megan, and I got to the point where I didn't love the down day or the up day. Yeah. I really like to eat every day. And of course, you can do the 500-calorie down day. That works really well for a lot of people. But the up day was just a lot of eating. Yeah, too much. It makes me too sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) And, And the thing is, sometimes people get into a pattern with up days where they... Like, like, like you, for example, you didn't like to eat at 10. So some people are like, well, I don't like to eat at 10. So on my update, I'll just wait until 2. And I'll open at 2. And then they complain that they don't have enough time to be hungry for two meals. Yeah, that's it, too. It's, and right. if I
1: waited till noon, I wasn't hungry at dinner at all. Right. And then so, I'm like, I'm going to destroy my body. <laughs> right.
0: So you don't want to do that. So that's, you know, the dilemma is you really do want to open early, like 10. So you have time to be hungry for at least two meals. But then you're like, well, I don't like the way I feel. So, But everybody listening, if you haven't tried it, you might be one of the people that loves it.
1: Yeah. And I think it works better for some lifestyles than others, too. I also didn't want to pack a lunch to work. So there was yeah. that. <laughs> like, oh, I get that, too. Because yeah. having a lunch at work, it was never anything I wanted. Yeah. I want to sit and cook a meal. I want, mm-hmm. I want it to be a production. So one meal a day is perfect for me because I get to have that production of a meal every day.
0: I love it. So you you don't eat at work? No. You wait to get home.
1: I do. I wait till after five.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't even
1: take any. I used to take snacks. I still, every once in a while. It's so funny. I will get super hungry, like around three o'clock and be like, I am like, I think that's got to be when my body's switching over. It's probably right around that 18 hour mark.
0: Oh yeah, probably. Uh,
1: yeah. And it's funny because on days we have a personal trainer at work. And so I work out at, on my lunch break a lot. Cause what else do you do for an hour? Right? Yeah. And so I'll go work out with them on my lunch break. And if I work out at noon on my lunch break, I inevitably, every time my belly will start growling in the middle of our workout, but I'm too busy to <laughs> even think about eating. So it makes my afternoon easier because I've already worked through all of right, that. Well, that makes sooner. Makes so, yeah. so then my three o'clock is a breeze and I get home at five and I'm like, okay, I can eat now. Right. <laughs> get maybe a snack out while I'm cooking. But sometimes I just wait till I'm sitting there
0: ready for dinner. So how long would you say that your daily eating window is? It's usually about two hours. Okay. That feels like a good, good amount. Yeah. So you might have a snack and then the main meal and then a little something later. Yeah, maybe. And maybe not something later.
1: Like a a lot of times after dinner, I'm perfectly satisfied and Good to go. It's been such an interesting lifestyle, that's for sure. Right?
0: And so many preconceptions before you begin. Yes. What you think it's going to be like? Because I remember you said earlier, you're like, I oh, will. That one meal a day sounds crazy. It <laughs> did. It sounded so nuts. Like probably if you could have thought about having an update, you'd be like, that's what I want. The update is going to be my favorite. Yeah, then but the, I, I don't you know if it. I could
1: have fathomed not eating for a full day either, right. like a 30- well that's true yeah the whole not <laughs> eating thing i was eating every like 2 hours i uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I mean, I probably was like a baby bird eating nonstop because I on I had a latte going all the time. Yeah. So even when I wasn't eating, I was consuming.
1: And that's I was I drank tea. tons of soda before I started mm-hmm. fasting too. So that was another thing that I, and that was one thing that I almost always could cut out of my diet and start losing weight just because I stopped drinking soda. Because I never drank diet sodas either. Like, I <laughs> detest fake sugar. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I think a lot of us do, but then we talk ourselves into it. Like the first time anyone has a Diet Coke, I don't think anybody's like, man, that's delicious. Yeah, no, it tastes like poison. It does. (laughs) I think the first time you taste it, you're like, okay, poison. But then you, again, just like we're new moms with the snacks in our purse because everyone else does, we see all the other people drinking the diet stuff. And we're like, Mm -hmm. well, that's got to be what we do. We've just got to do it. So you train yourself to like it. Yeah. And then once you break that cycle, though, then you really, it tastes like poison again. Yeah, it does. Because I used to I'd always had it was Diet Mountain Dew for a lot of years, and it was Diet Coke for a lot of years. And, And you would like crave that weird poison taste.
1: Yeah. It was the other stuff in there that makes you crave it. Yeah, Junk food is designed for us to crave it. Our body, it's like a hit of energy that we can get real quick. And our bodies digest it so fast that it's like, yes, give us more of that. That was easy.
0: (laughs) That's true. And, you know, when I read the Dorito effect, that really stuck out to me. They literally do. There are flavor scientists who are sitting there trying to figure out How to hook you. What can we do to make this so that they really can't eat just one? And if we've ever sat there with a bag, a bag of something, and you're like, I'm just going to eat a little bit. And then you find yourself, you finish the whole bag. Mm -hmm. The people at the flavor chemistry lab are like, success. Yeah, we did it. We did it. So have have your tastes in food changed?
1: Yeah. And I don't know if it's... Part of part of my me blames the black coffee because I do like more bitter things than I used yeah, to. Yeah, like I the think bitter, so too. Mm. Yeah, the bitter vegetables are more delicious than they used to be. I used to – so I've never been a picky eater. I've always eaten a very good variety of foods. But I always said I'll, the only two foods I'll never eat are Brussels sprouts and beets. And, you know, I eat
0: Brussels sprouts and beets now too. I so. love them both. I was the same way. Now, there are still some things I don't eat. I, I used to be a super picky eater. I still don't like cauliflower. Can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love cauliflower. Oh my gosh. I can't. I just can't. It might be mental. Like it really honestly might be a mental thing. Like, You know how you can get like something in your mind. I remember when it started. It was always when I was trying to do keto in the summer of 2014, and I was in all these keto Facebook groups, and of course, failing spectacularly because I hated the way I felt. But they're like, okay, here's this recipe for mashed cauliflower, (laughs) and you're supposed to put bacon and cheese and sour cream in there, and it tastes just like mashed potatoes. I was like, count me in. Just while cooking it, I was like, okay, this smells really bad. And then I was like feeding my family. I remember, all right, everyone, we're going to have this. And my family was like, what? (laughs) They (laughs) all rejected it. And then I tried to eat it because I was like so optimistic it was going to be delicious. And it was not. And I'm like, this is bad. And so I'm like, I will never eat cauliflower again. And now I just can't.
1: Yeah. I get it. Well, it's because it was cauliflower mashed potatoes. I'm like against imposter foods too. Well, like yeah. I don't like foods that are pretending to be foods.
0: I not. believe like, that too. So maybe <laughs> I should try it. So how, how could I try cauliflower and not hate it? I don't know.
1: I just like it raw with like some hummus. That's pretty good. Really?
0: Yeah. Okay. I prefer it raw actually. I like most vegetables like less cooked. <laughs> Well, I might try it. Like if I go somewhere and there's raw cauliflower, I might give it a try. Yeah,
1: taste it. (laughs) Dip it in a little, a little bit of ranch dip and try it.
0: (laughs) Okay, or hummus. I think (laughs) I might like it better with hummus than ranch. Hummus, yeah. Okay, I might try it raw. That's a really good suggestion. What I need to do is make new neural pathways around the idea of cauliflower because I just associate it with that day.
1: Yeah, it's like very similar taste profile to broccoli, but I think it actually has a better texture than broccoli does raw okay so you should try it it's delicious
0: I'll try (laughs) things really are different when you cook them versus raw
1: yes they are it is it's a totally
0: different animal cooked
1: than raw and I don't usually eat it cooked I only eat it raw
0: because the cooking is what brings out all those weird smells yeah
1: but I also I also am a firm believer that the stinky vegetables are the tastier of the vegetables
0: well they're probably the best for I need to eat whatever that cauliflower has got in it I don't think that it is going to be the
1: end of the world if you never eat cauliflower, though, <laughs> so either. I think that that's probably just fine.
0: Okay, that's good. Well, you're right. But um, so you, you like to cook at home.
1: I do. I do. I like making the menus. I make like a two week menu and do a huge grocery shopping trip. And then I, yeah, cook for everybody. It's cooking's one of my favorite things to do,
0: actually. I love it. Me too. I love cooking, but I don't like the part. You like the meal planning part. Yeah. You, you I enjoy love that? the
1: meal planning part of it. Yeah, I actually have a spreadsheet. <laughs> um, I'm not
0: surprised. You need a spreadsheet to meal you plan. You do,
1: and I have like yeah. everything broken down into beef dishes and pork dishes and seafood and soups and sides and all of that stuff too. So I, it's really easy. I can. It helps so that you can buy like large chunks of meat and make right and make several meals out of that. Like. You can do a roast one day and then like maybe French dips or a stew or something out of whatever's left over too. So it makes the budget go better too to, to be oh, able yeah. to
0: plan that all out. So what is the size of your family?
1: I have two daughters and then my husband. So there's just four okay. of us.
0: Okay. How old are your girls?
1: 11 and 14.
0: So did they ever ask you about intermittent fasting? Because, you know, this comes up, especially yes. especially moms of daughters worry about, you know, what message am I sending to my girls? Right.
1: Um, and I think they actually enjoy my fasting much more than they have ever enjoyed any other diet I've been on. They hated right. keto. They thought um, keto was the worst.
0: You're like, hello, I'm doing keto. Here's the mashed cauliflower. Nice <laughs> mashed potatoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I family like hated when I did those diets too. Yeah because yes. it always impact- impacted what they were going to eat. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. So intermittent fasting has been less impactful for them than any other yeah. lifestyle I've had. So they actually love it and I explained to them very early on. Um I mean, it's not super impactful for them either because I still eat with them every day. Right. Um the only time they would notice is on the weekends or if we go out for like sometimes we'll have like a big breakfast out with my husband's family and it's pretty obvious I'm not eating when I go to those because I'll just sit and drink black coffee while everybody else, like I don't always choose to participate. Sometimes I do though. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I will participate, but I often choose not to. And I just drink black coffee while they all eat. But I explained to them very early on that, I am an adult, and I don't have to eat three meals a day anymore, and I get plenty of nutrition and everything I need in my one meal. Um, My 11-year-old, she's so cute. She's like, I think when I grow up, I'm going to do fasting, too, Mom. I think it sounds like a great lifestyle,
0: so she's on board. I like
1: children. You know, they're
0: great. I miss children. I don't miss teaching school. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't miss that at all.
1: (laughs) I, I can totally, you got out at a good time. <laughs> oh imagine? my gosh.
0: You know, like the universe had my back there. I yeah. cannot imagine. And, you know, I really was was cheering the all the teacher friends on in solidarity, even though I was so grateful not to be there with them. I thought about teachers a lot. I still yeah. do. Yeah. And just how it changed now I'm worried about the kids and what they've been through and you know the speech delays and all the this we're going to be uncovering the effects of the pandemic sure. that's how yeah. I think about things like how's it not like how bad is it today but what's going to happen in five years yeah the I mean of,
1: they lost of almost a full year of instruction like
0: really like in class instruction. or two it depends on where they were in yeah. some places some parts of the world like like I know I Canada this year still hasn't even been
1: yeah fully back I, to normal. Yeah, I can't even imagine it was it was rough like and it, both my husband and I worked through the whole pandemic too. so I was lucky that my girls were old enough. I had teenager a teenager and a preteen that could manage themselves. They needed very little instruction from me, but I mean even still i I can't imagine. And and little things
0: have have a huge effect. Like, for example, you know, I've got two boys and Georgia changed the math curriculum when Cal was hitting high school. They changed it completely and they did something weird and it wasn't good. And my my brilliant boy who went to Georgia Tech and had a 4.0 didn't get the right math that he needed in high school for the SAT. So he took the SAT and he didn't do very well. And he's like, I didn't have the right math. He knew it. But that little experiment impacted him and he yeah. had to catch up. But the things that our kids have gone through, we're not even, we are not even—we don't even know where they're going to need to catch up. And yeah. it's things like socializing and, you know, understanding facial expressions. And mm-hmm. so the sooner we can get back everything back to normal so that the kids are seeing faces all the time. That's my yeah. teacher's soapbox. I can't help it. Sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. no, <laughs> I get it. Our, we're, we are officially maskless at our schools now. Good. So that's that's a thing, too. They
0: really need to see facial expressions. They, do. they need it's And not so just your important. eyes. They need yeah. to see your mouth. They need to see everything. And yeah. that's how they learn to, to speak. That's how they learn to everything. So yep. I'm, yep. Glad you're I'm glad y'all are all I'm glad your daughters did well through it. They too. did. They did. They thrived. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. So I, I love the way you explained it to them and the way they're matter of fact about it. And, you know, really our kids take the lead from us. If we make something not into a big deal, then they are like, yeah, it's no big deal. My mom does intermittent fasting and mm-hmm. she eats a lot of food when I see her eat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that you're actually modeling a healthier relationship to food now than two years ago.
1: My oldest, I don't think she'll ever do intermittent fasting.
2: <laughs> she's a great,
1: she's a grazer. She's one of those people that stays effortlessly thin and she eats just a little bit and, She never, she eats still like a small like a a little kid, like her plate just has a few things on it. She she just,
0: she just, and she knows when to stop. Mm -hmm, Yeah, She may really be, she she may just always be in tune with those satiety signals.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I never actually forced my kids to ever finish their plates because that was something, yeah, that was something that I knew from the very beginning when they were tiny that, that toddlers know when to stop eating and I didn't want to break that with them so if they said they were full I would put their plate away and if they were hungry again we'd just get that same plate back out and perfect it up
0: for them so I, yeah I think that's a brilliant way to do it yeah it, I think Let it works <laughs> good <laughs> yeah. well that's great and I actually did stop you know trying to force my kids to eat at a certain point and mm-hmm. I now they're just both very intuitive yeah with their eating and it, it's really good to see
1: yeah for sure I
0: didn't ruin them yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> in I mean, some I may, ways. I may have fed him goldfish crackers, but I didn't yeah. force him to.
0: <laughs> we might have had YooHoo in the Sippy Cup. But yeah. <laughs> it's all right. We can't it be is- perfect. <laughs> so I wonder when January rolled around this year or even January of twenty twenty one, did y'all have the weight loss five percent challenge again? Did you
1: We did. And you know, actually year before so I have participated in in both years because I gain what's called the the Christmas inflammation every right. Christmas too much I peanut understand. too much peanut brittle and yeah <laughs> treats. But um so I usually lose my five percent in January once I kind of cut all the that. Christmas bloat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. You know, I don't weigh. I haven't weighed since I think it what twenty seventeen or something, but I know that I gain weight over the holidays every year, even without weighing. I know that just like you said, the Christmas inflammation, it starts Probably right around pumpkin spice season. Not that I'm having pumpkin spice because I'm not, but it's that whole season of treats mm-hmm. and fall. And yeah. you just you're making a pumpkin pie and yeah. you're just, you know,
1: it starts you're October thirty
0: first and I it's think it till the end of the year. And it does. And then the, but for me, by the time Christmas is over. And New Year's Eve is in the rearview mirror. I am done.
1: Uh-huh, same. And I think that's why the diet industry does so well is because that's when they're promoting when all of us just feel bloated and miserable from two, two
0: months of binging. <laughs> yeah. Or just even eating foods out because I don't really have a lot longer windows. Yeah, I'm just choosing different foods mm-hmm. during, during that time. And it, it, it feels right. I mean, I really think our bodies crave different things at different parts of the year. Yeah. But by the time January rolls around, I'm not like getting back on the wagon. My right. body is like, I don't want any rich food. Yeah. I just want to eat simple food.
1: No more cream cheese. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. Although I am going to make some peanut butter pies today. We're recording this. Um, it's Good Friday when we're, when we're recording. And um, we're having an Easter celebration at my parents' house. And so I'm going to make two peanut butter pies. I had to have somebody the from or...
1: the Midwest tell me what peanut butter pie was one time. I had never heard of peanut butter pie.
0: <laughs> oh, really—that's yeah. not like a thing that everybody has.
1: No, I had never eaten a peanut butter pie till I met her, and it's funny because my dad's from the Midwest. He so would have thought that because they were both from Missouri. So, but apparently, it wasn't a thing in his family either. But yeah. I didn't know what a peanut butter pie was until probably about five years ago.
0: (laughs) Well, they're so good. I'm trying a new recipe this time that I haven't made. And I know it's going to be even better than what I've made before, because in the past we have a restaurant here in Augusta that's called the French market grill and they are known for their peanut butter pie. And, um, we also have these cookbooks like tea time at the masters that the junior league puts them out and they're anyway, they have recipes in them from like local restaurants and people who were in the masters and junior league. Anyway. So, um, there's a peanut butter pie recipe that's really famous, but it involves Cool Whip. Ooh. I don't like Cool Whip anymore. Yeah. So I always true. made that recipe.
1: And, and it tastes like chemicals now because Yeah.
0: It's- so <laughs> I've never made a peanut butter pie that did not have Cool Whip in it. But this one, I found a recipe that has heavy cream instead and you whip it up cheese. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So this pie is going to be cream cheese and heavy cream and peanut butter. That does sound better. <laughs> yes. It's going to be so much better. And I'm really excited to have it because I love peanut butter and it's on a chocolate crackery crust. So it's still cleanish. Yeah. I like because it. Because the, the crust is not going to be, you know, perfection, but that's just a tiny little fraction of the pie is Yeah, the crust.
1: Isn't it funny though how how through intermittent fasting it really you really taste that is it the preservatives what is it that i, I don't know i have no it just idea doesn't what it tastes like
0: real you know i'm a super taster and I remember when I first heard the idea of being a super taster, it like helped me understand why I was such a picky eater. But some people have taste buds that really do pick up different things. But I feel like we we get in tune to the real food and then the fake stuff like we were talking about before, the diet soda tasting like poison. Yeah. We pick up those chemical tastes and we get used to them when we have them a lot. Yeah.
1: Like I've and never, then, I've never liked anything that has food dye in it,
0: like cake. You're like, a super taster, I betcha. you
1: frosting when there's a colored frosting on a cake I am like out <laughs> don't do it doesn't it doesn't taste good at all I don't like artificial colors like yeah and you're a of-
0: super taster there's actually something you can buy to see there's this paper and it's because it's genetic whether you're a super taster or not you can buy this paper I can't remember what chemical is on it it looks like litmus paper mm-hmm. like you might have used for your know, for ph in high school or whatever but it, you touch it to your tongue and if you taste it you're a super taster. And if it and the people who can taste it, it's like really a bad flavor. You're like, <laughs> But the people who can't taste it, they, they're like, this is just paper. What are you talking about? They huh. think you're crazy. So I actually got some a few years ago. It was a long time ago. I think it was before Cal went to college. And we all tried it. And I was a super taster. And Cal was a super taster. But Will and Chad were not. Huh. So they're like, y'all are making this up. And we're like, no. No. We're not making it up. So y'all get some of that paper. I think I found it on Amazon. And, but you're right. Like I bet you don't like um, red velvet cake.
1: No, no, it's awful. And yeah, and it's especially it's funny because like blue dye is something that I am even more sensitive to. I can taste mm-hmm. the color blue. That sounds weird, but. <laughs> As a fellow super taster, I get it. It's
0: really, really a bad, bad flavor.
1: Yes. And my kids will give me something that's blue and I'll like put it in my mouth and I'm like, gross, that tastes blue. And I'm
0: like, what does blue taste like? I'm like, that, whatever that is, it tastes like that. It's gross. I totally get it. So I bet you probably also bottled salad dressings. No, I don't love
1: bottled salad dressings at all. I like to make my, I make almost all of
0: my own salad. And it's things. so huh. easy. But uh-huh. if you can taste those those flavors, they really do taste bad. So anybody who's listening, if you don't get it, we promise you, we're yeah. tasting something in there you're not getting.
1: It's almost like a weird bitter taste, which is also funny because I don't mind bitter flavored things that are supposed to be Real bitter. But yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But it, it is. That, it's like a weird chemical bitter. Yeah. like poison. It's like my body's going, <laughs> warning, yeah, warning, I don't eat that. that. Well, thank you, body, for recognizing that stuff is not good for me. Exactly right. (laughs) I'm I'm grateful to my super taster taste buds. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So is there anything that you struggle with?
1: not anymore i would say at first it is, it was the hardest thing i have ever done is is learning how to fast like it takes determination at first especially when you are faced with with that kind of like emotional eating disorder as well mm-hmm. like it's like that was probably my biggest hurdle to get through in this whole process currently though no i don't i don't have any any current struggles but i've been doing it for almost two years now. So Well, I
0: I love that. And thank you for saying that it wasn't easy when you started. No, it wasn't. People need to hear that because some people, they start day one, it's effortless. Mm -hmm. And other people are like, that just makes me mad to hear someone say that because for me, it was hard to start.
1: It was. It was, I think, uh, it was an episode that actually aired shortly after I started Clean Fasting. It was Tammy Roach. And I'll never forget it because it was, yeah, it was the most It was something that resonated with me more than anything else anybody had ever said. And she said, intermittent fasting is so hard at first, but only becomes easier. And dieting is so easy at first because you have all of this motivation going into it. It's so easy at first, but then it becomes so hard and cumbersome to try to keep up with all of the meal planning and all of that. And it's so true. Like if you can get through the, the beginning of intermittent fasting, it becomes such an effortless lifestyle. You don't, yeah. it's such freedom from, from just the daily eating all of the time or trying to figure out what to eat. Like I only right. have to make that one meal every day. And it's, I so enjoy sitting down and figuring out what I want to make
0: for dinner that night. Yeah, it, it's freedom through boundaries. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that that's the part that's astonishing because mm-hmm. it sounds so hard, like it's going to be so hard, but then the boundaries give you the freedom to enjoy what you're eating instead of having to stress about it.
1: Yep absolutely that's my
0: favorite part And you know i'm making this pie and it's gonna have like i said cream cheese and real heavy cream and real peanut butter and it's gonna be amazing yeah
1: and you are looking forward to that pie and you're i not am gonna and i'm not it gonna it feel when it comes guilty. out,
0: you're, yeah no <laughs> you know there's no guilt involved and on monday i don't have to like get back on the wagon i don't have to fast extra long
1: right no it's stress. No stress at all. It's I probably such... won't
0: want more or though I'll be tired of the pie. And yeah. But so one slice <laughs> will probably be plenty. <laughs> or a little, tiny little slice because that's yeah. going to be pretty rich. But, yep. you know, we get to enjoy these wonderful occasions. Mm-hmm. How will you spend Easter? Will y'all have special Easter meal?
1: Um, We're going to do brunch with my husband's family mm-hmm. Um, on Easter morning. And then I imagine I'll probably run and see my parents at some point in the day. As yeah, well. we're gonna
0: eat around well, we're going over to my dad's around noon and I'll open my window. No fuss, no muss. Yeah. I'll enjoy the food. And you know, I'm I'm not the best window closer. You've heard me talk about that before. If I open my window at noon, I'm going to eat again. But mm-hmm. I'm not gonna cook a whole another meal. Right. You know, I'll have a little something that might be a good time for a, like a daily harvest bowl later, something like that. I won't be hungry for a giant meal later. I'll just need a little something. And I'm going to tell my family I'm not cooking a dinner. <laughs> don't <laughs> expect dinner on the table. Yeah, it's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> it's not. But I'll have a longer window that day. And then I don't have to fast extra on yep. Monday to make up for it. I'll just fast what, what feels good. Yep. Love it. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Um
1: the one thing I tell everybody that's just starting out with intermittent fasting cuz coffee tends to be everyone's biggest hang up. It drives uh-huh. me crazy. And I, the one thing I say to everybody is don't let a beverage get in the way of you and your forever health. It is a drink, (laughs) like, let it go.
0: If you have that much emotion (laughs) attached to your coffee, let's dig into that. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Why are you so attached to it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like someone's like, this is my only enjoyment. I've heard people say this. This is my only enjoyment. And the only thing I look forward to every morning. And i like, okay, well, let's unpack that. And what else can you look forward to? Let's start a new ritual. Let's find you something else to look for. A ritual <laughs> of something is. that you can enjoy that brings you pleasure. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah a healthier choice. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> And and I'm not laughing at it because I would have been that same person. Same. I loved my creamy coffee. So I'm I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you because yeah. I was there.
1: Yeah, same. <laughs> I used to drink cream in my coffee too. So I get it. But I think I, I gave yeah. up
0: cream like three diets before
1: intermittent fasting came into my life. So that part of my journey was actually pretty effortless.
0: Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. But you're right. The coffee is the, as soon as I tell that to people, they're like, they're like deer in the headlights look.
1: Yeah.
0: They're like, What? I can't, can I use, they'll like name something. I'm like, no. They're like, well, what about nut pods seems to be the thing that people think are magical. Like that's made from nuts. Yeah, you still
1: imposter food.
0: (laughs) That's true, that's true.
1: (laughs) I'm always like, just say no to imposter foods. Like if you can't chop it up and put it in the pan yourself,
0: like just say no. (laughs) You can actually make your own nut milk. I was reading an article about it. Sherry shared it the other day in the community and it was like, Someone was analyzing the cost of, of those foods, and that's like the most expensive, crazy cost food because they use like so little actual nut to make it. It's a ton of water. Yeah. You can apparently make it yourself for like a penny or
1: something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just go buy bulk nuts down at the yeah, store. Yeah, and, and make
0: your own almond milk <laughs> or whatever, that. but still not, don't have it in your fast. That's food. Yeah, it's still Even does. if it starts with one almond.
1: <laughs> and at that point, it's not even enjoyable food. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. Well, Chad loves almond milk for what I'm not making it for him. So anyway, yeah, we'll yeah. just spend our just exorbitant marked up almond milk. He doesn't have it during his fast, but if he's going to have you know bowl of cereal or something in his eating window he wants almond milk I don't know why yeah that's funny yeah (laughs) well Megan I have really enjoyed talking to you today thank you so much for being here
1: oh thank you so much for having me it was a joy to be here
0: do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell email me at jen at intermittent fasting com, and I'll add you to the lineup that's g-i-n